Today on Keep Classical Weird, we shine a spotlight on a large, strange instrument that's been around in some form for centuries, the contrabassoon. It doesn't just have to be that comical flatulent sound that we get, you know, when when somebody needs a laugh, you you honk a big low note and everybody laughs. Um, That's great too, I do enjoy doing that. Welcome, friends, to episode 12 of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozell, and today we're exploring the contrabassoon. For those of you unfamiliar with this specific instrument, it sits right next to the regular bassoons in the wind section of a symphony orchestra, and as my guest today describes it, looks like a giant wooden paperclip. Even if you're not familiar with the name, chances are you've heard it before. This is one of its most famous appearances in classical music, in the piece made popular from the movie Fantasia, Dukas, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. That was the wonderful contra stylings of my friend Nicole Buetti. You've actually heard her voice recently on the show. She was the bassoon representative in the two-part instrumental personalities episode. She's based here in Portland and is a performer, a composer, and a contra-bassoon superfan. Her origin story on the instrument, true to a bassoonist's form, was a tad unconventional. I actually started on flute. Uh, They asked us what we wanted to play in band when we went to middle school. I said flute. And I was sitting next to a girl, and she would always move around when she played, and she was always hitting me in the back of the head with her flute while she was playing. Drove me nuts. So one day they're showing us a a video of all the different uh, instruments in the orchestra, and you know, there's the flute, there's the clarinet, there's the oboe, and then I see it, the bassoon. And my very first thought was, I can take her out with that thing. (laughs) And then, they had it play, and I really liked the sound too, because I, I really, I'm, I'm really drawn to the lower, lower sounding instruments. So I went home and begged my mother that night, please let me switch to bassoon. She had no idea what a bassoon was, <laughs> but she said okay. So yep, we went in, and they were they were thrilled because we didn't have any bassoon players at the school at the time. So I actually, once I started on the bassoon, I had to know more, and I heard of uh, the the famous the very famous sorcerer's apprentice um when mickey's hacking up the brooms there's this sound when they're starting to come back up again when they when they well and all the broom when he hacks up the one broom and then all the brooms come to life and i found out that was a contrabassoon and i was like well i need to know what that is <laughs> and um, some people had pictures uh, of boy bands on their walls and stuff like that i had a picture of a contrabassoon So the hardest part about featuring a unique instrument like this on an audio format is that you can't actually see it. We'll include some pictures on our social media pages so you can get an idea, but Nicole and I worked together to try and get a really good mental picture going for you. How tall is it? Do you know? I know, I've never measured. I did did lay down in the hard case one time and I could fit in it and we closed it, but that's (laughs) probably... um, it is, let's see, I'm 
five four. So you're five four, and it comes up to your chin when you're standing. Is yeah, what it looks like. Yeah, so it's about probably six or seven inches less than that. So. And it also, when you're sitting to play it, it's taller than you are. Oh yeah. When you're sitting, oh, which wow. is great because if you have a scary conductor, you can kind of just angle it to where they can't see you. That's Excellent. one of my favorite things about Contra. It's like if I'm scared, I can just hide. Yeah, it covers awesome. like your whole yep. face. Can't your see whole, me. That's amazing. <laughs> and then, do you know how much it weighs? Yes. So in the case, it's 50 pounds. Outside of the case, it's 25 pounds. It's, it's 25 pounds. Wow. That's, I mean, so you, so you were lunking around. It might be a little lighter than that. That might be with, um, I might have measured that with books in the case. So it's probably... But it's no, it's fair to say, this is no piccolo we're dealing with no, here. Right. No. Right. I like to imagine that this was uh, designed by an alien because it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's uh, the bassoon either. With uh, We have, um, on the Contra, there's uh, eight keys in the back that are just controlled by our left thumb. Oh, wow. So you're moving your left thumb around? That, yeah. Okay. Across all those different keys. The bassoon has nine. The Contra has eight. Some, some, some Contras, you can get nine. You can get extra little... Uh, things always put on. Once you get past the sheer size of it, the Contra bassoon does look like it's covered in keys and gadgets that all work together to give it that signature low, low sound that it has. So just to give you some comparison of range, here is a representation of a good chunk of regular bassoon range. Contra bassoon range. It will literally rattle your sternum. I asked Nicole to tell me a little bit about the history of this instrument. Hans Schreiber is given credit for inventing it in uh, the 1620s. Um, 1620. The Contra and the 1620s. The Contra, yeah. Okay. So the Contra, there's been some form of Contra around for a while. So um, con uh, so double reeds actually evolved from shams. <gasps> you have a sham and here. I Look do at that. have a sham. And shams are just little wooden tubes that flare out at the end and then you have a double reed on the end and a double reed is just two pieces of cane uh, that are kind of thinned out and then wrapped together with string so if you, t if you blow into them they'll make a noise so that's a sham reed and this is a contra reed interesting so, yeah the, way different very, and the sham is also that's it's that's keyless there's just holes yeah so they they just have they just have holes Shams, interestingly enough, were um, originally used uh, as war instruments. When they were marching into war, you know, they have drums and stuff to scare the other army away. Well, they would also have a row of shams playing. And uh, that, if you have that coming at you, <laughs> and you don't know what it is, that's scary. And I can attempt to just show you what a sham sounds like. Yeah, times, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and uh, coming over the hill. <laughs> so, 
extremely loud. Um, so <laughs> that's um, that's uh, where Double Reeds started. So the Shams, they actually started making them bigger and, and longer, and there is something called a Great Bay Sham. Unfortunately, I do not own one of those. I would love to own one of those. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I know. It's just <laughs> awesome. Um, and so that's where it first started. Then they started creating other double reed instruments. There's the kirtle, the palmar, the racket. The racket's my favorite. So racket, I call it a contrabassoon in a can. It looks like a coffee can <laughs> with a couple holes in it and a little tube sticking out and a reed on it. They're, they're really strange looking. And there's a great group on YouTube called Unholy Racket that you can watch. And they, they even, uh, I think they do the Game of Thrones theme. <laughs> it's, on it's rackets. On, on rackets. <laughs> on three rackets. In the Renaissance, they were experimenting with all sorts of these different instruments. And the, the one that seemed to start evolving the most was called the uh, Dulcian, or also could be called the Kirtle, depending on uh, which language. What that kind of looks like, that's hard to describe. It would be like if I took my bassoon apart and just stuck the vocal into the boot <laughs> of the bassoon. People started experimenting with actually making extra pieces, making more than one piece. And so that's how the bassoon started to evolve. It evolved into four major pieces, uh, the, the uh, boot, the wing, the long joint, and the bell. And then you put the vocal on and put the reed on the end of that. So these Dulcians, they started making different shapes and, and, oh, there's all sorts of experiments they did with the bell shape and with the, and there's some crazy instruments out there. So they also started making them longer and bigger and trying to make uh, as, as low as you could get. There are rumors of other type, contrabassoon type instruments before 1620. So they, they could have been floating around. Supposedly Mozart used it in his serenade in his b-flat serenade his chamber work there there's there's an argument on whether it would he meant it to be a contrabassoon or a contrabass oh and so people play it both ways <laughs> so, yeah which is kind of i prefer of course the contrabassoon way but that's just me <laughs> any everything should be played on contra once the Romantic era hit contrabassoon solo started to blossom just a bit more in orchestral repertoire Here's Nicole playing one of her favorite selections, which underscores a buffoonish stepsister in Prokofiev's Cinderella Ballet. Nicole is also a composer, and in my own narrow mind, I figured there were just a few little special ways that she used this lovely instrument to create particular sounds. I figured she used it in a limited capacity. I was wrong. How do you utilize the contrabassoon? What kind of things do you go to that for? When you, like, What do you want out of your compositions that you turn to this instrument for? I use it as much as possible. Like I, I, across the board. Across the board. <laughs> if I can, if I can put contra into it, I will. I did a piece. It's called uh, Odyssey Overture. I purposely put this 
piece in the key it was in so that I could have a contrabassoon solo in there that hits a low B flat <laughs> that the contrabassoon player could just sit on and hold for, for a whole measure and just enjoy. I really enjoy writing for the instruments that don't get a lot of attention. And I really enjoy writing for the lower instruments because, not that I don't like writing for the high ones, but uh, the low ones, a lot of times we're just left on the bottom and it's just like, okay, oompas and, 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 and long notes and that's it. And I like to stretch them and, and, and see what they can do and feature them. My Odyssey Overture features uh, contrabassoon, tuba, bass clarinet, and um, the double bass quite a bit as well as, as other instruments as well, but just, just so you can really get to hear those. Here's an example of an instrumental version of a piece she wrote for a video she published for kids. She doesn't just use one contrabassoon in the middle of it, she uses three. Also asked Nicole to talk a little bit about reed making. Just like all other double reed instruments, Nicole makes her own contrabassoon reeds. So let's talk about reeds. You make all your own reeds. Yes. Um, how much time do you spend? Oh God! How much <laughs> time do I spend actually practicing? Most of it's making reeds. Um, so it there's different ways to make reeds. I use a process where I actually um, make the reed blank. So that's that's uh getting it in shape and folding it and forming the tube. I do it by letting it actually dry for a week and then I finish the reed. Some people will actually use um, heat, like they'll heat their mandrels and, and bend the, the cane that way and then they can, they can do it a little more quickly. But um, that's just the way I learned was to, was to do it that way. So for me, I, it, it takes a couple hours to because I make them batches, so I'll make five to ten reeds in every batch, a couple hours to make the blanks, and then wait a week, and then finishing takes a while because if you really want to get the reed working well, you, you finish it to certain specs, and then you let it sit, and then you play on it a little the next day, and then you tweak it a little more, and then you let it sit, and you do this for quite some time, and sometimes all the way up to a concert, depending on how stubborn the reeds being that day. So reeds will just kind of wear out. They don't like catastrophically fail or do they? Uh, they, they, can, they can do both. So <laughs> <laughs> when, when you play them, you want to be careful not to um, eat right before you play. You want to brush your teeth. You'll probably see double reed players brushing their teeth if they have a snack or something um, because the, the food enzymes and stuff can break up the reeds, soften it up. Uh, oh. um, you can get mold on reeds. I see that a lot with the students. <laughs> so that sounds uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, uh, when when they turn black, that's always a bad sign. <laughs> if you're playing on, on on them regularly and you don't get a catastrophic failure, eventually they break down. They saw they get really really soft and will start to just give out and just won't play well anymore. Catastrophic failures sometimes they just split. Okay. And that's why you always want to have extra reeds with you. Right. <laughs> that's why you always see double reed players have like a, you know, a plethora of reeds. They have like a whole case. Yep. Oh, yeah. Wow. And um, because 
you never know when that one person behind you is going to hit your chair and your reed's going to slam into the stand or something like that. And stuff like that happens a lot. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes just if the weather changes, that can affect the reeds too. Nicole Buetti's Educational Kids Music is published as In a World Music and can be found on Kid Doodle TV and YouTube. Before we get to the credits, I thought I'd give you a little taste of her video, Let's Go Meet the Planets, as it is a definite favorite of the two-year-old resident of our house. Let's go meet the planets. There are eight that orbit our sun. Let's go meet the planets. The planets of our solar system. My name is Mercury. I'm the closest to the sun. The smallest planet that there is. I have no moons. I don't need one. My name is Venus. Second planet from And that's our show for today. Many, many thanks to Nico Buetti and her amazing knowledge and contrabassoon chops. Our resident composer is Thomas Barber, and you can find his work at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, and search for Casey Bozell on Patreon to support the podcast. We'll be back next week for a mask. Stay safe and stay weird. <laughs>